Hello there guys, what is going on? Son of Chelsea back here again for another episode of the Every Other Saturday podcast. Last week had a great guest in Eunice Talks Football. We had a great discussion. I'm glad to say I've got another great guest on, Chelsea guest, uh, Nini FC, Blue Lines TV. We had a really good discussion on all things Chelsea. Also his YouTube channel, he just passed 100k subs on YouTube. So we speak about the inspiration behind his channel, Callum Hudson-Odoi, some of the criticism of Callum Hudson-Odoi recently and Nini's opinion on that. It was a really interesting uh, debate there. And also some other things as well surrounding Frank Lampard next season and basically a lot of things surrounding Chelsea. So it was a great discussion. I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy this podcast and the video, please give the video a like, a rate and review if you're listening to it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Um, but thank you once again for supporting the channel. The podcast last week did really well. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, let's get to the discussion. So Nini, the first thing I want to ask you and, and say congrats is on 100k. Congrats on finally reaching that landmark for your channel. Um, how does it feel to reach 100 Okay, and sort of just, just a feeling around your channel at the moment because it's an exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. Yeah, it definitely is an exciting time. Um, it does feel like things I've been speaking about for years now, since I started like four years ago, it's finally come to fruition. You know, like back then, there was always like this, uh, the scare factor in the sense that with the club, with the boards, would they find that philosophy that we desperately needed? You know, I've, I've been on with so many guests. I've spoken about this with so many people. I've made so many videos on the matter. And it feels like right now, we're in the time now where all these things are becoming uh, a real tangible thing. These things are starting to come alive. We've signed some excellent players in the Ziyech and Vana, players that we'd never signed or even, even like win the race for these players in the first place. Mm. I mean, just even considering, like, when you compare that 17-18 season where we've spent 66, like, million on Morata, we've signed a player that's much better than him for way less than money. So um, I do feel like right now things are looking uh, absolutely unreal for us. And I've never been so excited to be a fan because, um, yeah, everything that I've been hoping for and dreaming of is finally becoming a reality right now. So, I um, in that sense, it is really exciting now that I've just touched on, like, 100,000 and then, you know, it feels like the club to uh, they're like their they're on the like their next uh, stage right now. You know, it feels like we're on that next level. Everything's like Chelsea two point right now. But um, to keep it absolutely real, I've never really been super motivated by just like the numbers. So when I got a hundred thousand, that's why there was no like tweets saying you know you guys look at me. I've got a hundred thousand. You know, praise me. It's not really something that really bothers me. I think it's um, it's nice that so many people, you know, feel about the game like I do. You know, that's always nice to have. But um, in a sense, yeah, it's just another number, to be honest. <laughs> I think that humility is something that, unfortunately, I think, you know, we've discussed this before. Like, I think it's it's lacking in some parts online, I think. And that's, I think it's a good thing to have because, like, as you'll know more than me, it's like some days, if you're putting out videos quite regularly, some days videos will do better than others. And yeah. they like, there's no sort of secret to this. Like every video I make, and I'm sure it's the same for you, similar efforts go into them. It does, like the views themselves, like it's, and if you were to just judge it on views, like your morale and sort of your confidence would go up and down all the time. And that's, I'm sure, yeah. something we all have to adjust to when we make videos. But I think that's a healthy aspect to have because as well, it's connected to being a Chelsea fan. So if you're, it's it can you know whether you have a conflict of interest or sort of your emotions are so tied to how the club does i mean i yeah. think having that is definitely a healthy way and the thing i wanted to ask you was when you started this channel what was sort of the sort of the thing that inspired you to make a channel start talking about chelsea start spreading and sort of start um sharing your ideas on football um to be honest i felt like there were a lot of people like us out there that wanted to like a, a more engaging type of football discussion that wasn't based on things like the basic like football banter and the tired like recycle conversations where there's like no depth, no like, uh, you know, tactics aren't even thought about as well. You know, that side of the game is completely ignored. And I just felt like I wasn't getting that from the media. I wasn't getting that from YouTube channels either. And I just felt like, you know what? I've been such a geek about football for years. Like everyone that knows me, you know, I've been speaking about, I speak in football like, why am I speaking like such a weirdo today? <laughs> I've been speaking about football like this like for years. This is how I like analyze the game and speak about it. So I felt like with YouTube, with a platform that, uh, you know, the platform it is, I felt like I could just find a good way to use my passion, find an outlet for my passion basically. And uh, yeah, I just, I didn't have any ambition to think like, wow, you know, I, I definitely have a plan. I want to be like huge, massive, I'm, you know, 
uh, I, I know I'm going to get 100,000 subs. So it was nothing like that. To be honest, I thought it might, it might take me a, a bit longer to get 100,000 subs, to be honest. But um, again, numbers like that have never been my motivation. Like I'm not someone that has like an Instagram account, for example. I'm not someone that's ever really cared about social media like that. You know, I only made a Twitter account because of my YouTube channel. And that came like maybe like a few months afterwards, to be honest. So, um, you know, for me, my only passion is about just speaking about the game and just trying to produce content that, you know, a lot of like-minded fans can enjoy and obviously take something from you definitely get that from your video, sort of the, the insight and the depth you go into each video. I think it is refreshing. I, I think just one thing I wanted to sort of ask you was, because of course, you know, I guess, you know, if you were to say football, YouTube, how big it's been, would you track it back to maybe five, six years ago? You know, I started my channel in 2014, so maybe a little bit before then. Sort of seeing your channel and seeing how it's grown, how have, like from the outside, have you seen the football sort of community evolve? Do you think it's improved? Do you think it's regressed? Do you think there are things that you'd like to see? Or is it just like, as you've been saying, you know, just focusing on yourself, how would you sort of evaluate not only the Chelsea community, but the football YouTube community? Um, I think since I've, uh, you know, become part of the community, I kind of feel like it's the same. I haven't really seen anything different. And maybe, not that I'm disappointed, but it would be nice if maybe there was a bit of evolution in terms of like dialogue and how we speak. I think there's some, you know, small glimpses of uh, like some nuance creeping in. I think now that certain people are, uh, you know, I think with how stats have been so uh, available now for people, we've seen people using that uh, FBR brief website and stats spawned to great effect. And I think that that's definitely had a new dimension to like conversations on social media. And it's definitely got people thinking about the game a lot more differently. So, um, that's like a small uh, positive I've seen so far. But to be honest, I think it's kind of the same. I think it's, if you look at like most uh, fan channels too, would you say that they've really evolved or they're doing the same thing that they were doing all those years back anyway? But, you know, I think that it's, it's I think it's something that's important if, we want this to last, you know, or we want yeah. people to be interested in it. Because as you've stated, fans are a lot more educated and have the ability to be a lot more educated about their clubs and about yeah. players and games than they could, you know, five, ten years ago. And I think that not taking advantage of that, lots of free information as well, not just like paid subscription that you get, but lots yeah. of free information that you can get. I think it's I think it's a bit of a shame when, as you've shared that frustration, when you watch mainstream punditry just seems so reductive yeah. to me still you know I, yeah. I get very frustrated yeah. when i'm watching a expert who's played the game at a very high level speak in such simplistic terms like don't tell me what i've just watched show me yeah. something that i don't know tell Thanks. me something as a as a fan at home i won't know i don't know if you share that same frustration no i 100 percent do and i think uh that's one of the other motivations why I wanted to produce my own content because I felt like um, I wanted to be a reaction to that, you know, the, the sterilized type of like football conversation. I feel like a lot of times it's really focused more on sensationalism with uh, sensationalist headlines, talking points, no nuance or insight or depth. And what disappoints me, that, the same as you, is that these ex-pros that have played the game at, you know, the highest level you can possibly think of, working under, you know, amazing managers, playing in European games, just, you know, just even knowing how the industry is where, you know, you're, you're like in your like um, little like uni hall room with the coaches like going through tactics and telling you what the game plan is going to be, you know, it's very professional. So when that doesn't really translate, uh, you know, ac across the media to like the, the common fan, I feel like maybe they're not really giving enough fans enough credit to understand that part of the game. And if anything, it just fuels this type of boring that like, sensationalist talk like um i think sometimes on youtube i uh, i've seen i'm seeing that there's more and more channels that focus more on that sensationalist part for me like adopting like the old media approach and that uh, obviously creating content today using those same methods and my thing is you don't have to do that you know this is a platform where you're fully in control of your channel you can do whatever you want with it you can be fully creative you can be in depth and it's just a shame that that's not really the main motivation for you know some that i'm seeing but um i don't know i just think that for me i'm just going to keep on doing what i'm doing i'm going to maintain because again i'm i'm about my principles you know when i live my life i like to think of you know what's like the right moral thing to do i know it's quite like a old-fashioned thing and like a lot of times i do hear from like uh like my girlfriend or you know it's like you should have been born in the 60s or something like that you're a bit too old school sometimes but um i don't know i just think like you know values principles I think that's timeless, to be honest. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's certain things that I 
care very deeply about on my channel as well. And I think we share both of that sort of passion and, and sort of feeling that, you know, principal on a channel, you know, you know, doing what actually makes you passionate and what, you know, makes, makes you happy at the end of the day, you know, whether a video yeah. gets, you know, a lot of views or it doesn't get any views, as long as I know when I'm putting out, I'm proud of that work. Yeah. I think that's, that's the main part to me because if I started doing something that wasn't really reflective yeah. of what I actually was, maybe I'd get more success quickly. But like, I think I inevitably I get tired of it. I couldn't put that act on long. So I, I think you have to be yourself and you have to really do what, what's natural to you. Because I think as well, as we're talking about the audience, I think the audience is much more smarter now and they can see through it now than maybe yeah. they could five years ago. Yeah, of course. I mean, your know, audiences, again, you know, I'm someone that's been watching YouTube all my life as well. So I've been inspired by so many people. I've seen, you know, I watch all types of different videos and, and content on YouTube. So I feel like, um, you know, I know how like a viewer thinks because obviously I'm one myself. So, um, yeah, you know, I just think that as it is with you, I couldn't put something out there that I'm not really feeling. I mean, like every week there's about maybe three, four videos that I don't upload because as I'm recording, it's not sounding how I want it to, or maybe it needs a bit more detail that right now I don't have the time to really delve into like that. And I just won't put it out there. And I know, and I know that of course I could, and that's a lot of money that I'm missing out on for not uploading it. But, you know, I feel like there has to be like um, that balance between quality. And you know what, to be honest, I think when you get into YouTube, you need to like have real honest questions with yourself. You know, are you in it to, uh, you know, make a lot of money and live comfortably, which you're entitled to, you know, I'm not some uh, guardian that's like looking down on people. I really don't do that whatsoever. That's up to you. And of course you have to understand, you know, you have to ask yourself as well. Are you someone that um, maybe if you care more about the, the quality of the content, you might have to accept that you're not going to be super big. You're not going to get super riches, but if you're keeping to yourself and what you want to do, that's that, you know what I mean? So I think that there's so many like different approaches to, you know, content creation and stuff, but um, you know, as long as people are honest to themselves, I guess, that's all that really matters. Yeah, definitely. I think that's great advice to, to anyone watching this who is thinking about starting a YouTube channel because I get comments on my videos talking about, you know, they want to start their YouTube channel. And I think that's brilliant advice. Moving on to some Chelsea stuff. I know you made a video recently about Willian and Pedro, of course, that confirmation the other day. I mean, it feels a bit surreal to me, to be honest, because for months we've been talking about it. And I'm pretty sure the last time you we were on the channel, I'm sure maybe this was something we touched on because it felt like Willian and Pedro, this was going to be the end of their Chelsea careers. But now it's happened it does feel quite somber, like the end of an era. I was writing a piece about Willian last week and going through his time at Chelsea and the highs of his of his Chelsea career, his best moments. Sort of uh, your feelings on Willian, because Willian was the big news. Pedro, we've known about for weeks, so yeah. maybe you want to touch on Pedro as well. But I think specifically Willian, considering how long he's been at the club. Yeah, I think um, in typical Chelsea fashion for players that have been here for a long time, you know, when they sign... You know, the fireworks are just like firing everywhere, you know, all the glitz and the glams there. But when they leave the club, it's very anticlimactic. You know, Pedro picks up an injury. I mean, when when does that even happen? You know, a final game like that too. And Willian as well, not being able to play his final game against Bayern Munich, picking up an injury himself. And, you know, follows in line with guys like, your, you know, your Lampard when he left to Man City, your Drogba's the first time, your Terry's. There was no... I mean, again, there was a send-off for Terry final game of the season, but... You know what I mean? It's uh, for me, like when I see that, it reminds me that, you know, at the end of the day, even though we have that emotion for football, it is so like a business. It's still quite cutthroat and, you know, it's not always going to, you know, end like that. But um, for me, I think, uh, are we making the best decision allowing William to leave right now? I just think that considering that we need to sell players now to raise funds to sign other ones. Maybe it makes sense of kept a William who has that experience and knows the club already that could have been useful for the other guys coming to the club to acclimatise because he's a very popular player. Maybe it would have been the best decision to give him the two, three years, knowing that, OK, well, if you don't want him, you can sell the player on because he has two, three years in his contract. So I'm not too sure about that, to be honest, especially when he's going to Arsenal as well. So uh, I think we definitely missed the ball there. But um, you know I me, mean, man, I feel like maybe William especially when I've like really just like reconfigured how I saw the player because back, especially during the Conte season and, you know, Mourinho seasons prior, I'd always criticised William. I've always criticised him for starting to play down the right-hand side, for, you know, messing up the final passes, for not really having a goal threat and, you know, looking quite uh, mechanical in a sense, you know what I mean? But 
when people kept telling me, you know, when I'm hearing things from coaches and players non-stop praising him and, you know, people that I know who have ties in the industry speaking positively about him too, you know, I like to tell myself I'm objective. You know, like anything that, uh, any opinion I have, I like to stress test. I like to really tell myself, okay, this is how I feel about it. But what I feel about this uh, next week or next month, you know what I mean? So um, in that sense, I had to look at what William was bringing to the game. And from doing that, I realised, oh, this is why he's valued so much. And then it made me start thinking about just the nature of how teams are constructed, you know, how managers find balance in teams. Because, you know, there's no team out there that has like 11 players full of like, you know, 11 attacking players doing their thing. There's that mixture of balance, either from midfield players, like, for example, with uh, Barcelona. And they use that front three of Neymar, Messi, Suarez. You know, those guys aren't going to do any pressing. You have to understand that. So to find that balance in the team, the midfield had to do more running. And that's why guys like Iniesta weren't really getting like double digits for assists anymore because he had a different role to do. But that's what you had to do for the balance of the team. You know, looking at Liverpool, for example, too, their front three to find that balance. They need a playmaker in Firmino who has to, you know, link up the play for Salah and Mane to get that front three working. And obviously just applying those principles of seeing how, you know, teams normally play and how, managers find the balance it was just like how did i miss this that william is that glue in the team that we need and this is why he's playing all the time this is why managers have valued him and this is why players value him too because when you play you know we've all played football you know sometimes it's frustrating playing ball with guys that just want to carry the ball for themselves and just like you know do their own thing you know you always appreciate the players that think about the balance of the team that know how to play the pass at the right time that do the right thing at the right time that know how to like um you know become a passing option under pressure yeah i think those types of details it's not sexy you know it's not something that you're gonna maybe pay to see but it is something that is fundamentally important and I think even though William plays that role, I still think he provides his own flair to that. You know, I think his first touch is incredible. His acceleration to, you know, it, you know, is a very smooth and elegant looking player. So I do think that if you are going to just judge him by the goals he scored and the assists, you know, you're kind of missing the whole point, to be honest. So I think that William, for me, very underrated. Him going now, I can imagine next season, uh, so many fans on social media especially are going to turn against him. They see him playing against Arsenal. And I don't know, like comparing him and Pedro, I kind of feel that maybe Pedro was warm to more because of the wonder goals he scored. Because, you know, the reality is, how many people are going to remember the details from a game that happened two months ago? You're not really going to do that. But if a player scored a 30-yard goal, you'll, you'll never forget that. One game in particular that really summed that up for me with Pedro was the game against Everton. I think we all remember that goal he scored against them. Now, what was funny is because uh, was that um, in that game he didn't really play well. He was constantly losing the ball and was that typical Pedro performance. But because he has that in his locker, all those negatives were forgotten about, and he's only remembered for the, the you know the, the yeah the fantasy stuff basically. You know what I mean? So for me. I was always more critical of Pedro because I thought that maybe, you know, you're, you you have to bring the goals in the team. And at times, you know, you're not really doing what you're supposed to do compared to William, who wasn't really ever in the team to get goals or even be like a playmaker because he was playing down the right hand side. You know, as I, as I said in the video, you know, if you're William down the right hand side, what goals are you expecting him to have? Like a charisma type of outside the foot shot. I mean, that's literally the only way he could really, when he's cutting inside, that's the only way you can possibly score. So I do think that, you know, William uh, has to be like, I don't know, he has to be reevaluated by many. I think that he's got a lot of unnecessary hate. And I think that um, it's a shame because he's been a very good player for us over the past seven years. I definitely agree. I agree with um, specifically William because I think the, the one strong thing in William's favour is whenever someone criticises him, especially on social media and says, you know, why has he been at Chelsea for so long? Why has he got all these minutes? I'm like... The fact that multiple managers over his Chelsea career, and not just like, these have been very good top coaches, Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho, Maurizio Sarri, have all picked him continuously, and Frank Lampard this season. I mean, you could make and an argument. Brazil too, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you could make an argument this year was his best at Chelsea because I think yeah. he had a lot of responsibility as one of the older players to step up because I felt actually under Sarri he had a very probably his most underwhelming season going back through his career and I think there was a lot of pressure from fans including myself I felt this was maybe the, the time to refresh the front three but I think yeah. he proved this year more than any other 
why he was so valuable to our squad. And I think when you look at those title wins, especially the Mourinho one, he was a key component of that team. And, it, you know, the unfortunate thing for William was I think he was always compared to Eden Hazard. And Eden Hazard was yeah. a ridiculous player and he was always going to dominate Chelsea's attacking play. But as you've stated in your video and, and just there, you need those players like the best Chelsea teams, the 0405 team, had some world-class players, but they also had some hard-working players that you need that are unfashionable. But, you know, I yeah. think that Willian definitely, for me, I, I think he's been a brilliant servant for the club. I disagree. I think he. I think this is the right time for him to move on. I just mm. think if we are going to create sort of this next sort of era of Chelsea, I think Frank Lampard, who I'm sure will probably would have wanted to keep Willian, I think it was just, I think if we kept Willian another season, even though I think he's a good squad player, I just think narratively, even though, of course, that doesn't relate to you know the context of the quality within a squad and how you're going to win yeah, football yeah. matches. But just, I felt it was just a natural endpoint for me because I felt, you know, it would have been just clinging onto the past a bit too much for me. You can keep Dave because I think Dave's still got a year left in him and you've got a young Reese James there still developing. But um, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of my opinion on, on William. And I think yeah. he definitely has been harshly criticised over the years. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what? I have to say I agree and disagree. I, I agree in the sense that, for me, you know, as you expressed, Sue, the sentiment felt like this was going to be William's final season, even before the season started. So I think when it came to Pedro and William, that was kind of the vibe people had. But I had to change my opinion just seeing the benefit he had in this team. And I think that if William was to sign, I mean, you know, we know that Lampard speaks to players and he's, He's not like previous managers that will just like ignore someone and, and not tell them the reason why they're not playing. If William had signed that three-year deal, I think William would have accepted and known that, okay, I know that I'm not going to be here to, um, you know, playing week in, week out, but I'm going to be a, you know, a, a squad player that's going to compete still, raise the level of the overall standard in training and, and, and stuff like that, and, and provide that experience too, because the reality is we have a lot of injuries to attacking players and, I'm looking at your Hudson Odoi's and Pulisic. I can imagine them get, still getting injuries from next season. I just think, I don't know, considering that we were thinking about getting a, a fourth attacking player, even keeping William for one more season and then maybe selling him one at the end. I mean, he had two years left and I'm sure he can get a, at least a good, you know, five to ten million for his sales. So, mm, I don't know. It's interesting. It is. But I don't think this ends anything, I think we're still going to be quite good. If anything, maybe, uh, you know, your Hudson's and your Pewter Six and other players like that will feel more like, wow, now that there's one less player to compete with, now it's my time to really just, you know, stake my claim in this team and get as much game time as possible. On one of those players, you mentioned Callum Hudson-Odoi because I wanted to focus on Callum Hudson-Odoi and I know you've been very vocal about him and the criticism slash, you know, as it leads into on social media, a lot of time abuse recently. Um, really frustrated. I want to pick up on this straight away because unfortunately, I don't like to reference this publication on my channel. I yeah. usually have a ban on referencing them. But unfortunately, in the case of this discussion, it is very relevant. Uh, the Sun posted an article on, I believe it was Monday morning, because on Sunday, Kanamatsu Nadoi took part in an amateur game, which was about... Uh, promoting the fight against knife crime in london and it was um yeah it was it was i saw, i didn't see it through the sun i saw it through i think either his twitter account or so and i thought oh that was a nice thing for callum hudson to do and then it blew up on monday with a lot of chelsea fans vocally yeah. criticizing the sun um and i think for me this leads into a wider thing about callum hudson that i've seen and the criticism of him because i think you know i think he has had a bit of an underwhelming season, but I think you have to throw in the context that he got injured twice during the season yeah. and he's still a very young player my biggest problem with criticism of him is it's always seems to relate to his salary. That's my biggest yeah. frustration. Yeah. I guess, you know, you could go on a tangent because I know you've always very vocal on social media about this, um, sort of your opinions around sort of everything of, of the criticism of Callum Martin Adoy. Yeah, I think, um, I think first of all, I agree. And I'm sure Callum agrees himself too. That he's had an underwhelming season. I'm sure you planned this season to go completely differently to how it was. We saw glimpses of quality, but context was injuries, you know, picking up a serious ACL was going to affect him throughout the season regardless. So, um, you know, I'm, this was definitely a season of growth for Callum. Of course, outside as well, he had an unfortunate indiscretion too, which obviously he was proven innocent of, which we all knew he was. But, um, you know, he, he, he has to realise that he can't take anything for granted. Now that there's players coming here now, hopefully... Now that the season's out of the way, he can really just settle down and focus down on his football, which is a good thing to see. But, um, you know, just seeing that Sun article as well, 
that's what I was referring to about this sensationalism, because it's about finding a reactionary headline. And unfortunately, you know, and I'm sure you, you see it yourself creating content. Whenever you make a video, people always refer to your video back to the, the title of your video or the headline. And it's quite hard to distinguish the difference between, you know, the information you're reading and obviously the headline just being like an advertisement to even attract you to watch it in the first place or read it in the first place or listen to it in the first place. So in that sense, you know, the sun, you know, very egregious, you know, of course, doing something that was very positive for a charity event. You have to really spend time thinking about how to make things sound different, because what your plan is, is to appease the people that maybe, you know, don't like him, you know, be reactionary and obviously try to hope that the 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 negativity implied in the article is going to attract enough people to to you know to read it which is you know it's frustrating because it's never consistent because if that was a different player for example it would have been a completely I mean, if that was a full foden you get a completely different headline to hudson adoy which you know i, I think is one of those uh, realities that people don't like to really speak about or discuss because i guess i don't know maybe it's just too like emotionally triggering, I guess. But, um, you know, it is frustrating. And, you know, it comes down to these publications because, for example, to this day, even though it's been disproven time and time again, people will constantly refer back to his money. Every single time refer back to his money, regardless of the fact that Hudson Doy isn't even the best play young player at the club. You know, in Pulisic signing, his contract's like 145, 150. And, you know, when you look at uh, other young players for big clubs across Europe, you know, it's not like Callum is like the top three percent or, or top one percent or whatever. So it is, uh, it is annoying and it's frustrating that narratives like this just never die. You know, like at what point does someone have to just accept that? Okay, I'm just wrong. But I think this is why these sensational headlines are a thing in the first place because, you know, we live in times today where you know people think that you can just have like a nuanced discussion with someone and you can like change opinions. It's not about that. I think tribalism is that it's you know, is at its peak in, in today's times. I just think that someone that's told themselves they don't like Callum will probably always have that opinion until he does something like wins a World Cup or wins a Premier League. You know, that's how long-lasting it tends to be right? because we see these, uh, you know, these narratives used against players even after they retire, you know? So, uh, you know, these these, paper, these papers, these publications, they know what they're doing. They know what they're trying to fuel. And um, it was good that he was uh, called out, that journalist, because he went on private straight away. But um, again, if if it's about the question of, you know, how do you how do you just like negate like incorrect information? I don't know how to do it to be honest, because I think that comes down to the person as an individual. You know, do you have enough perspective and balance that you can maybe tell yourself, you know, what it's okay if something's wrong? It's not any. It's not saying anything against my personality. I can move on because I believe that we should be equal with each other and we should be fair. I'm, I mean, that's what I thought it was, but clearly isn't. I think all of that is spot on. And unfortunately, the thing is for me, what something that does frustrate me is, right, it was good that there was a lot of reaction against that misinformation from the sun. But my issue is I see fans when they share transfer arts. It's usually 99.9% .9 of the time. It's transfer articles positively about someone we're going to sign um, being shared from the same publication. And yeah. it's like, that's what annoys me because it's like, if you're, if you're going to label publication, you know, mostly misinformation, you know, um, a really bad publication, but then you're sharing that publication when it tells you something you want to hear, then I, I think that that's a, a problem as well. And also, you know, I, I think people have a real problem admitting they're wrong. I think that's yeah. something that, unfortunately, for a number of things, tribalism, whether it's, you know, ego on social media, you know, admitting you're wrong on something, a player or just generally, I think is just it's so hard to see now. Um, yeah. So I think that's the difficulty you're sort of fighting against. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people perception of reality is a massive problem for me in football massive. and just generally. But I think in football, it's a massive problem with players and with with clubs that like you'll see. Jorginho, I think, had this a lot. I think there's a number of players, Callum Hunter, the way I think you can fall into falls into the same category. And unfortunately, I think, as I've said with other things, like I remember referring to this when I was talking about the Kepa death threats a few weeks back. It's like, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. all you can do is be a good individual yourself. I think, like, unfortunately, there are always going to be those publications. There was going to be those people who want to abuse footballers. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's unfortunately, um, until something massive happens, I think that that's just, it's just about being responsible yourself.
Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to. But, you know, football is, you know, it's an emotional game. You, you, you have an emotional reaction to everything that comes out. But I guess it comes down to the individual knowing how to control their emotions, I guess. I think, um, you know, what you were mentioning about consistency. For example, Gareth Bell, he's not playing for Real Madrid. He's only like half a million a week. He's golfing. And if if you were to base that example on so many examples you read about, you know, our players and players in general, you know, you know, you're a football player, you know, if manager says jump this high, you bloody do that because you're on a big contract. I haven't seen any negative things said about Gareth Bell, you know. I think that's what it comes down to all the time. It's always this constant picking and, and choosing. It's not about consistency. I don't I don't think it's even about those things. I just think um I don't know, you know, even based it back on Callum people will always constantly bring up the fact that he held the ball to ransom. And I've never understood that. I mean, an 18-year-old holding Marina to ransom. I mean, that's how, does that even, even repeating that, does that make any sense? And what, what would he say? It's kind of that spark with his words and he's just so, you know, on point with his business or that he could even do that himself? Of course not. So, uh, yeah, I just think that um, the fact that he could have gone to a better club maybe doesn't sit right with some people i mean i'm not too sure again i think it comes down to the individual on why they'd have to ask themselves why they get so angry and worked up about that hopefully callum Azadoy will have a better season next year and, and with willian gone and if chelsea don't uh sign an, another attacker a wide attacker yeah. he could definitely have a chance for more minutes if he stays fit and in form i mean one thing i sort of want to move on to now is is sort of the style of play next season because I don't think it's going to be I hope it's not radically different to this year I just hope it's more refined and less uncertain um, and I think the big question a lot of Chelsea fans are sort of asking ourselves right now is is how is Frank Lampard other than just buying centre-backs and buying a left-back and buying a new goalkeeper how is Frank going to fix the defensive problem because personally for me I really don't want to see Chelsea become a reactive team and go back to counter-attacking yeah. football yeah I like over the past two seasons how we we're starting to try and play more progressive football. I guess the it's a it's a difficult question, but how is Frank gonna sort of measure and sort of it, it's it's keep us proactive and progressive, but more defensively secure? I think that's the big thing for next season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think I think Frank, Jody, and the team they know what they need to do. Um, you know, for me. This season, Lampard was forced to rely upon certain players that he would not have used as much this season. For example, if Kante was playing, he would have made a massive difference to us as the season went on. Uh, we've seen glimpses of what I think, you know, not, not what I think, but we're definitely about. Obviously, 4-3-3, sitting DM, having two roaming uh, eight supporting the play, supporting the attack. Like how we used to play back in the day, you know. I think with the players we're signing, that is definitely what the uh, the motto is. And it's, a, it's that modern style of football. It's about you know, stretching the play, creating the spaces between the lines and obviously need players who have great individual ability to obviously, um, you know, take that style of football to the next level, which is just the reality of, you know, big clubs. I mean, you know, when people, I feel when Frank gets criticism, you have to apply that to everything. I think that's how you find what's true in football. That's how, that's how you find what's right. You know, let's not pretend that, you know, you're the best managers in the world, like your Klopps and, 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 and Peps, the teams they inherited in their first season, let's not pretend that they were supposed to win the league with them because, you know, you only do that because it's, it's like yin and yang. You know, you need the manager, but you also need the, the right players for a system and the right quality. I mean, that's the whole difference. I mean, if uh, if that didn't matter, then why would, you, why would clubs even decide to go to the transfer market knowing that you could just condition all of that yourself uh, in-house? In so um, I don't really think it works like that. The reality is, Stats show that we're not conceding like 50 shots a game. What happens is that in key decisive moments, that's when things fail. And when that happens, I think that's proof that that is the individual quality on show. I think uh, when people are mentioning, uh, you know, complaining about defending, as you mentioned yourself, you know, you don't want us to become another reactive team that just sits back and defend. But the only solution to a porous team like that is literally to sit back, keep your shape, defend and play on the counter-attack, you know, which is not what we're trying to do. And it wouldn't make sense to do that in your first foundation year where you're setting up a young squad and young players for the future to grow and improve, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be absolutely counterproductive. And I don't know, this is where I get a little bit frustrated sometimes because it feels like these are 
I don't know, they, they feel like questions that have very, like, not simple answers, but it feels like you have to give more benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you have to... Uh, I don't know how to even express myself right now, but uh, I, I think that, you know, any worries people are having, I wouldn't really worry too much. I think um, until we have the right defence. I mean, we've seen with teams like Liverpool, it took them three seasons to get the right squads. And when they had that boom, we saw that with Man City too, it took them two and a half seasons and a January window from Laporte to come in and obviously be that that right team. You know, you see it with but you see it with every big club. That's the nature of the game. That's how it works. And I just think that Lampard and his team have shown the signings of your Werners, the Eshes and Kai coming very soon, with how we're playing to he, he knows what we need to do, he knows what players we need. And the only thing that can help us now is the market. And that's why the market's there. So I think um a lot I don't think we'll be perfect defensively. Because I think that perfection comes when players are at their prime. You know, as we saw against uh, Bayern Munich, the way they executed their high line was superb. And people kept criticising Tammy Abraham, forgetting that Tammy's not getting offside against uh, Burnley right now or getting offside against uh, Swansea City. You know, he's this is against Bayern Munich, who have players in their prime, one of the best teams in the world, who know how to do these things masterfully. And that's the level we're trying to get to. That's the level we are going to get to. I, I guarantee it 100%. And um, I think, it's, again, it's about just having that perspective of knowing that, okay, we're still a work in progress. We uh, we can see some of the uh, the positive signs to come. And we're seeing now that actions are being taken to help rectify those issues and make us more solid and stronger. As you've pointed out, for me, it's there has been a lot of positive signs this season. And I think that... There's certain performances when I look back at the season as I'm sort of doing review content on my channel for the season where I'm like, you know, I can sort of, <laughs> it sounds easy to say, but I can sort of accept defensive inefficiencies this season because I've watched a lot of great defences at Chelsea and the thing we don't need to be is, as we, we're talking about, sort of just go back to the old identity of Chelsea because it's just not going to work. And as well, the current players we have, I think also the coach we have, doesn't want to play that style of football. So yeah. we'll just, we just be pause, we'd hit the pause button and I think it wouldn't exactly. suit the players we have. I think we need to pursue a more attacking play, a more attacking style of play like we have been doing over the previous two seasons, which I think is going to get us more competitive in the current game rather than trying to just go, oh, well, it worked under Conte, it worked under Mourinho. And I'm like, that was five, six years ago. The game has yeah. radically changed. You cannot do reactive football. I think why Jose will probably struggle at Spurs is because if you watch them, I, under, I know he's only been there a couple months, but like, I think the best example for me is when Frank has come up against Jose a vastly more experienced manager and he's done him yeah. twice tactically with Chelsea playing on the front foot whilst Jose doing his type of reactive football. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you agree. That was for me like a no, big I, I example. I 1000% agree. Like, that's where Chelsea need to be yeah. and that's where Chelsea used to be and we shouldn't be going back anymore. No, um, honestly, man, that is the perfect example to use. I think that is literally the Chelsea, uh, the new Chelsea defeating the old Chelsea. You know, Tottenham have spent a ton of money this window. The players they have in midfield, they should not be playing a style of football like that. And as we're seeing already, you know, it, it might work against them in the long term. Uh, you know, that game in particular really sums up why we have to, as a fan base, support this uh, transition, support this new era that we're, we're going into. And, um, you know, just understand that, you know, it's not going to be perfect. You know, you can't expect perfection when you have maybe a lot of players that won't be here in the next year or two. And I, I, I get it. I understand that after a game, we get upset sometimes if the result isn't there. But there has to be a sense of perspective. You know, there has to be that sense of perspective at the end. You can't just get too definitive with your hate and your assessments of players, which happens time and time again. And to be honest, I think in particular this season, maybe that's the one thing that really surprised me. You know, I think, uh, you know, for a long time, people and I have been speaking about, I've been a youth advocate for a long time. I've been saying we have to use these guys. They're the future. They're going to save this club millions. They're going to help us get to the next level. They play the right style of football that is needed and complements the modern game too. These, This is what we have to turn to. So when I'm seeing people writing off like a 20-year-old Mason Mount, writing off a 22-year-old Tammy Abraham, where, you know, again, you know, he's always been a poacher his whole life. He's learning how to play as a complete striker, you know, which involves a lot more things to his game. And to be honest, in his first season doing that, he's got 18 goals throughout the season, where a guy from our academy doing that, he's scored some big goals against some big teams too. And he's got a lot of points with the goals he scored. He's not scoring like the, you know, the fifth goal or, or the sixth goal, you know. In a, in a, so 
it, it is quite disheartening in the sense that, you know, where's this disconnect? Why is it hard to understand that difference in a sense? You know, what is, why can't you understand that you're looking at someone who right now isn't going to be like this in three or four years time? And it's quite obvious that's going to be the case when you just look throughout history, throughout history, throughout football, throughout this team. I, I remember when Lampard was signed, ask any single Chelsea fan if he was going to be anything what he was in the end. They would have said no. A lot of people didn't even understand why we signed him in the first place. It was the same thing for Terry. It was the same thing for so many of these players too. And this is what I was mentioning at the start. It just feels like these recycled conversations, recycled assessments, recycled debates. But it's just like, at what point does a realisation epiphany just come in? Like, whoa, wow, maybe you know how I'm seeing things and speaking about things is absolutely wrong. It's, I think it's a mixture of Chelsea growing pains and change is difficult and moving from one era to the next, moving from one identity to the next. I mean, I think it was never going to be sort of a smooth transition. I mean, I think I feel very strongly that Sarri's year was a very critical year in Chelsea's history, recent modern history, because I think it showed us why we needed to change um, and why we needed to think about the direction of the club, what was actually going to be the long-term plan, that short-term thinking wasn't going to solve our problems, yeah. that keeping to the same cycle was going to leave us trading further and further behind the likes of Man City and Liverpool. We had a great youth academy. The transfer ban was a blessing in disguise. I think yeah. there's a bit of that. And also, in a weird, you know, this season has been so up and down. It's been a roller coaster season. In in terms of emotion, I've never experienced... Maybe the 11-12 the season for, for emotion was sort of rivaled this. In terms of just going almost at times a weekly basis, feeding one high and then low high yeah. and low i mean i think that's also difficult for fans it's it's very easy in august to go we're behind the youth we're behind frank's revolution you know we're behind yeah. all of this and then when actually you watch results and you're emotionally invested in your team there's just a realism of being a fan that that's that's what you get into and you feel yeah and, and as being Chelsea fans, watching us be so successful and consistently successful, I think there was it was difficult watching us lose to Bournemouth, lose to Southampton at home, teams like but that. Is it, but that's the thing, though. Is it really knowing that mm. we've lost those same clubs under True. Sarri and Conte yeah. as well and Mourinho? So it's, absolutely. It's funny absolutely. about the perspective. At what point? I mean, if, if anything, if anything, understanding that this was going to be a team that has so many young players, you know, making the step up from the championships uh, at top four level, You'd think that maybe there'd be more like patience behind things and maybe yeah. some more understanding. But I don't know. I, yeah. The impression I get is that in a stadium, that's that is that. You know, people really get behind the fan, uh, the players and stuff. But maybe, you know, I just think it's typical of internet culture in general. Yeah. Not even just with football, but with anything. You know, it does create a lot of uh, reactionary opinions and takes. Luckily, we've got a manager, and I think this is the best thing. And, and Lampard said it earlier in the season, as uh, you know. Look, at, he used the the Kevin De Bruyne answer, uh, example, and I think it was right after the Spurs win, and they were asking him about in December. He was asking him about sort of the young players, how well they'd done, how they'd started in a game, and he said, you know, as a club, maybe five years ago, we would have just, you know, not allowed these players into the first team. You know, Mourinho would have, yeah. Mourinho would have binned Christian Pulisic likely. I mean, that's something yeah. I've been thinking about recently. Like, I think considering the start he had, and considering the way Lampard dealt with Christian Pulisic compared to I yeah. think the way Jose Mourinho would have dealt with Christian Pulisic, different eras, different times yes and Jose won us a league title the next season but I think there's that as well like for me it's it's I don't understand sort of how people can look at Tammy for instance and say with 18 goals when everyone was thought you know would he even be good enough to start for Chelsea week in week out to then turn around and go oh, he's not good enough and it's like same with Callum Hudson-Odoi same with Mason Mount same with Reese James like these are players that if we were sell if we were to sell them tomorrow and Tammy goes and bangs 25 goals for Liverpool in a couple of seasons yeah. people will be outraging at you know outraged yeah. at the club yeah. like for what are you like what are you doing why are you selling these young players we cannot keep on falling into the same traps we've been falling into for a number of years now and that's the good thing about Lampard and Jody Morris is they have staff there that want to give these players time and, and opportunities. And that's, I think, a positive thing. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, man. Um, I don't know. It, it is quite disappointing. And yeah, I think the reason why I, I'm really annoyed by it is the fact that it's okay to have a different opinion if you think, you know, maybe a, a certain player you, you feel maybe, you know, I don't think that he'll become a top four striker, whatever. Okay. But when you then turn that towards like, hey, you know, when you're then adding Tammy Abraham to let him know that, 
I mean, why? And the reason why you, you're doing that is because you're anonymous. You know, your details aren't there, your face isn't there. And there's a big difference between accounts that don't show their face and accounts that have their, you know, their, their face out there. It's a massive difference with that. And um, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, to keep it real, I think there's a sort of ignorance at times. I feel like people only look at things from a 2D perspective in the sense that it's purely based on aesthetics. Now, for me, I look at Tammy Abraham, I know that, okay, he's been a, a striker who banged in the goals for Aston Villa at Bristol City that would only play inside the books. He, he'd finish moves, like, you know, like a, like a Muller, all the way back in the day playing for Germany. That's a, stylistically the type of striker Tammy was. Of course, you know, this season, you know, Lampard wants him to improve his overall game. Tammy's learning at the same time. Just how every single young player does. They have to learn to improve. And learning throughout this season, he's got 18 goals. Now, of course, there's times where, you know, his first touch looks a bit off. But, of, you know, the reality is when you're playing with your back to goal against, uh, you know, a 29-year-old Premier League defender who's like six foot three. Of course, it's not going to be perfect. And I can't expect a 22-year-old who isn't even fully physically developed to have that strength just now to just hold off someone like that. I mean, look at Didier Drogba. He was a prime example, actually. And maybe if I'm Tammy Abraham, I'd really look towards uh, Drogba's career and his trajectory. I mean, when he started off, he was that type of striker, you know, a, a, a fox in the box type of thing. And then, uh, of course, Marseille, you know, he's starting to get a bit older, around like, 26 years old, you know, approaching a bit of a, a prime Physically, you know, he's ready. You know, he's holding opponents off with his his chest, which was, you know, just like that world-class thing Robert could do. And then when he came to Chelsea, it took him a year and a half to adapt to playing as that type of target man in the team because he was never a target man playing for Marseille. And once he got past that, in the end, when he was like 27, 28, you could see he became a fully complete player that could, you know, do that part of the game. Hold, hold someone off and play people in. He could make a run in behind and you know, get him the end to finish off a move. He could play people in as well. He could run down the, the channels. And that is the whole plan to develop a young player and get them at that level. So if you just, I feel there's just like a critical misunderstanding sometimes from a lot of fans. And I think it comes down to maybe that lack of knowledge. And I'm not saying that in a sense where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm from such a high position or all you cretins, I don't know what you're talking about. Nah, not like that. But just on a real I think a lot of times it is based on a lot of ignorance and misunderstanding of how football is, how football works. And maybe if we want to have a deeper conversation, it comes down to how the game is marketed. You know, I think we mentioned at the start, you know, with the sensationalism, traditional media, these pros that come on, they don't really inform. All they do is just uh, speak on what I can see for myself. Then, of course, you know, maybe it gets people thinking that, OK, this is how the game is. is. Maybe it's not that deep. And. You know, uh, that's why they can't even distinguish the fact that Tammy at 22 won't be the same as Tammy at 26. It's, it's a big frustration. I mean, I think that Tammy's had an incredible season. I think it's very easy now because Giroud done so well. And I think as well, you know, the break from the pandemic, you know, made us sort of, I think it's easy to forget how well Tammy played going through the season. Um, how many big goals he scored for us. Um, it very much was hit. The first part of the season was his part of the season. The second part of the season was Drew's part of the season. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the biggest criticism I could have of Tammy is his anticipation across with balls that go across the box. I think he could be a lot better at that. Um, as you've mentioned, his all-round play. And also maybe just if he gets more game time next season uh spreading out those goals a bit more i think that's the, the big thing but i'm mean, 18 goals is ridiculous to, for me really considering yeah. what people you got to remember what people were saying about him in um august and we didn't even know who the main striker was going to be based off pre-season i mean it could have been Drew. Yeah. it could have even been Batshuayi, as ridiculous as that sounds now yeah because um, frank gave all of them quite equal opportunity even though tammy got the number nine shirt and the weight of that number nine shirt at chelsea um, Tammy's yeah. just taken it in his stride it's like it hasn't bothered him and you know I think that 18 goals which is what funny enough to talk about stats XG predict, predicted I think 18 goals for him this yeah. season and he, he matched that so I think um, definitely yeah. next season he can improve yeah I mean I definitely had Tammy on 18 goals for the season so I'm happy that he was able to meet that mark and for me the fact that I could even assume that he'd get to 18 goals and he did you know sums up the potential that he has and I think when you speak about these young guys, you have to speak about potential. You can't just keep focusing on uh, what they're doing right now. I mean, how many examples in football are there of, let's say, for example, a Calvert-Lewin? He's been playing consistently for like, you know, two, three seasons. It's taken him until his third season to start showing some form. 
and Tammy's outscored him in his first season. Richardson, we've seen him miss opportunities for how long? And at times, maybe he doesn't take enough shots due to the positions he gets into. You've seen the dramatic improvement in his game, but that only came from consistently playing at Watford's and then his first season at, at Everton as well. So, and, you know, all these strikers, but I see these, like, I have to just be honest, these nonsense comparisons like I saw with uh, Jimenez. I'm just thinking, I saw Jimenez when he signed for Atletico Madrid. He was not anywhere near ready at the same age that Tammy is playing for us. Lewandowski too, back in the day when, um, who did uh, Dortmund used to have this, uh, I think, Brazilian striker that played for them. Then they signed uh, Lewandowski. And then it took Lewandowski maybe like, what, two seasons to become like that full, proper first-team striker at Dortmund that was setting the ball off. Uh, I don't know, like, for me, if you like, if you watch the game a lot, like, watch different games that's really, like, delve into it, I feel like you would never even think to make, like, outlandish, definitive claims on a player's ability and just understanding that, okay, this is the nature of how the game actually works. It's not supposed to be like that. And if you're going to keep comparing these young players like your you know, actually once in a generation players like your Mbappes, I know that term is thrown around loosely because it gets a lot of uh, or clicks on social media. But, you know, players like that, you know, they only come once in a while. You know what I mean? They're just so good that, you know, they're you can't really compare them. You know, Messi's too, you, you can't compare them. So, um, I don't know. I think Tammy, you know, you mentioned that point about his anticipation inside the books. You know, I've seen him score a lot of goals inside the books. I think, um, I think the reality is, you know, first season leading the line it's not just about the uh like the physical game or the technical game but it's also the mental game as well you know you have to know that you know are you feeling confident in that moment are you trusting like uh you know like the the, the ball is being played into you as well because a lot of times it's a bit of both you know let's say uh, there's, there's been a few times where crosses have been playing in behind him and it can make it hard to really understand okay where's this ball actually going to be placed and i think that only really comes with more time and experience playing in the league because I've, you know, again, strikers on this age missed tons of opportunities like that. To give you another example, Gabriel Jesus. I mean, he's been out of sea for how long? His first two, three seasons, he was regularly missing opportunities like that. So I don't know. I just think it's uh, quite unfair, to be honest. And uh, if anything, you know, Tammy's really impressed me with his men- mentality, you know, the racist abuse, constant uh, negativity from the fan base towards him, constant doubts, you know, trying to really discredit him. And I guess that's, for me, that's the one thing that really just bugs me out the most, is how can you support this club and feel entitled to really abuse the players that you're hoping are going to get you the three points every single damn week? I think it's more of an online thing than a than a fan thing. I actually think, you know, the, yeah, sorry, yeah, the, the, yeah. the fans in, in, in Stamford Bridge on a regular basis, um, because I think... Luckily, this year the actual feeling inside Stamford Bridge, when we the times we weren't were allowed in the, in the stadium, was was quite unified, very unified, yeah. much more unified than previous seasons. And I think that's the positive thing. You know, unfortunately, social media we could go off on a big tangent about what could be done around abuse and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. it's um, that that's unfortunately a, a thing that comes with it. And and it's like most fans would probably have the same conversation we've just had about put a young player, put a player in that gets abuse on a regular basis. That's yeah. unfortunately something that's just a wider problem than just Chelsea, isn't it? But before we yeah. wrap up the conversation, I just want to uh, quickly talk and ask you about next season. Um, what, what are your expectations for next season? Because um, I think after this season, wrapping up Champions League football, getting Champions League qualification, it's going to be quite a congested year. We're not that far away from the start of the season. Yeah. Um, what do you expect? Do you know, do you think about a title challenge? Would you like to see Chelsea, you know, maybe if that's not realistic, third, maybe second? How how would you see next season playing out? I mean, that's a good one. I've thought about this a lot. So I think um first thing I have to think of is my rivals for next season. You know, I'm looking at someone like an Arsenal. I don't think they'll be anywhere near close to top four for next season, so they're out. I'm looking at Manchester United, and I think it was always obvious, especially to me, that Sancho was never going to sign. He cost too much money, way too much money. And um, if anything, even if you sign him, is there enough balance in that United team that could accommodate having, you know, a player like that without investing in another midfield player, another defender, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So I feel like uh, under Solskjaer too, potentially, you know, he's, if he's not on point, could get sacked. And if that was to happen next season, United would go on for another manager, maybe a Pochettino, who then has to redo everything again. Meaning that that could take them out from really 
mounting a title challenge themselves. And to then move on to Liverpool, as we've seen near the second half of the season, I feel like they weren't as uh, they weren't that same superpower like they were at the start. I felt like maybe teams started to cope a bit more against them and understood how to play against them. And they, you know, picked up a few more losses and defeats. And you know, traditionally with Klopp, it'll be his fourth season at Dortmund. Everything really capitulated because again, you know, it's modern day football. You know, when clubs have their analysts, their teams, they're constantly looking how to break you down. And you know, the thing is, most clubs only play against a team twice in a season. So you're not going to really see that uh, evolution. But there's always a difference between like, the first game and the second game. So if you consider that by the time next season comes, a lot of these teams could be playing Liverpool for like, the, you know, the fifth time, the sixth time. They're going to be able to cope against them a bit better. So I think considering the fact that Liverpool can't really spend too much money as well, you know, they, they were priced out for Werner, which is terrible for them. It seems like they can't even afford Thiago, who, if I'm Klopp, if you don't get Thiago in your midfield, that is going to really affect a lot of what you do for next season. I feel like they might not be that same superpower themselves. And then, of course, with Man City, I think a lot of what they do depends on the market. And I don't see them spending like us. I think they have the same funds to do that. So I think that there is definitely a possibility that we can mount a title challenge. If we don't win the league, I don't think it would mean it's a failure. But... I wouldn't be surprised if maybe three clubs like us, Man City, Liverpool, the points gap was very close. Like maybe like, I don't know, five points difference between like maybe third and second and maybe like, you know, another four points between like first and second. I mean, I think now that a lot of these teams are reaching their their, their peaks and now that we're reinvesting, just even considering like other European leagues too and how the final league structures are, I feel like it's going to be a lot closer for many teams. So right now, I don't even think there's really a favourite. I just think that it's only it's honestly going to come down to, you know, who has the best form consistently and how the final few days of the season are looking. I feel like a title challenge for me, I, I'd like some sort of title challenge like you. I'm not really, it's not my sort of big, if, if we don't get a title, you know, obviously go right to the final days of the title and, you know, win the title. It's, um, for me, my big thing for Chelsea next season is to be out of the slog for Champions League qualification. Yeah. That's, that's my big thing for Chelsea. And if it means we're third and because of results, we're comfortably third, then I think that's progress. I think that for me, just being in the slog for Champions League qualification for a full season in a row, would just, I, I, I just don't yeah. want to see it because I think it's been so repetitive. And I think the hope is with Lampard improving the squad, we'll have enough to get ahead of those other teams that are in maybe rebuilding phases like Tottenham and, and Arsenal and potentially get more points. I also want to see us, you know, get more points against Liverpool and get more points against Man City, you know, really start to test them a bit more and bury the teams we're supposed to at home. I mean, that's yeah. the big thing is breaking down low blocks is I think sort of everyone will talk about, you know, beating the bigger teams. But I think if we can break down low blocks, then I think within a couple of seasons, we could really have a serious yes. chance of lifting a Premier League title. Yeah, I mean, I, I really agree with that, man. I think this season in particular too, if we were able to break these teams up, teams down a lot better, I think we could have even survived with how our current team is defensively. I think that just the fact that scoring the first goal tends to give you a massive advantage, that you can you know control the game. It can open other teams up as well. And as we've seen throughout the season, most times when we get the first goal, we do end up getting a positive result near the end because that way we can maybe sit back a, a bit deeper then our like amazing transitional football comes into full effects, and you know, like against Man City as a prime example, you know, I think uh, that's always been the game plan. But of course, it, it does come down to the execution from the players on the field. So uh, I don't know, you know, when, you, when you're signing guys like Ziyech, Werner, and Kai, I mean, that's adding a, at least how many goals? I mean, another thirty goals to your team. So I, I think there's definitely a, a lot of positives to come for next season, but. For us to be like the guaranteed favourite, because there's a difference between challenging and being the favourite, I think that we are going to need maybe maybe another season of like maybe reinvesting big in maybe two key areas, like maybe uh, another big midfield player, maybe another big um, you know defensive player too, or goalkeeper, depending on what happens during this market. So I think that, uh, you know, there's always that three-year plan. We are trying to like accelerate things this season to close the gap a lot more, but that plan is still there. And it seems like right now, the club structures, environment, and just the feel good vibes, it feels like we actually are going to stick to plan now. 
and let a manager have time to mould something and and do something. I feel like next season can be even if it's not you know title challenge. Even though you know I think that next season attacking wise I think is going to be maybe one of the best we've seen at Chelsea I've just got yeah. that sense defensively we're, we're not sure you know it could be a bit like Liverpool still in their early years under Klopp where we're yeah. still susceptible to mistakes because we aren't able to get all the defensive signings but I do think it's going to be very exciting and I think we can see some real attacking play there that makes us think that with a couple more additions we can be there and I think Lamps will definitely have the team hopefully a much more certain next season um so thank you so much mate for coming on and uh, having a discussion today great topics to discuss and debate i hope you guys enjoyed watching and listening to it as well um just before i go as i do with all my guests i'm sure most of the people watching this and listening to this will know who you are just give you a chance to shout out uh, where people can find your work online thanks man if you guys want to find me on twitter my at is nini fc and of course my youtube channel is blue lions tv so uh, i release regular content daily match reviews news videos previews you know talking points all that type of stuff so if you want measured football conversation i'm your guy